Hi, I'm Joel Garcia. Welcome to the Pop Culture Shuffle. On today's show, I have a few things to talk about. First up, my review of the latest episode of Marvel Studios' What If. Then, a special segment for Spotify listeners, which involves a certain secret agent. And finally, fan fiction involving some guy, his tossed salad, and scrambled eggs. But first, let's talk Marble. Before I began, I should note the noise in the background. That would be the fan, which is right next to me, so I just want to point that out. Now, for this week's episode of What If, it finally got to explore a controversial topic involving Marble. Zombies. In fact, that's the name of the episode. What If... Zombies? Now I will say this, I was aware of Marvel Zombies beforehand. It was one of the first things I discovered about Marvel while looking them up online. And the tone was... bizarre. And then eventually I found out about it even more through the show Long Box of the Damned, a spin-off of Atop the Fort Wall in which several issues of Marvel Zombies were highlighted, including crossovers and all of the bizarre stories the characters went through. So Marvel Zombies is an interesting topic, as well as how it originally began in the comics. From what I've looked up online, apparently the origin would have been an infected Superman from the DC Universe coming to Marvel and essentially infecting the entire universe. And then apparently at the last minute it was switched out with a different character, an analog of Superman in the Marvel Universe, doing the same thing. Now, of course, the idea of Marvel Zombies in the MCU wouldn't work the exact same way, since, of course, you need to introduce a lot more characters that just haven't been introduced. Now, the episode begins with Hulk crashing into Strange's place, meaning that the episode is set during the time of Infinity War. And at first I was thinking, oh, the Hulk somehow got infected? It's quickly revealed that's not the case, and that instead it involves Ant-Man and the Wasp. Now, as I brought up a few weeks ago, both Ant-Man and the Wasp and Avengers Infinity War took place at around the same time, with the former films and credits taking place during the snap. Now, for this episode, it actually does something different, in which, apparently, when Janet was found in a quantum realm, it's revealed that she was somehow infected by a virus that turned her into a zombie. She eventually infects Hank, and when the two return, they wind up infecting everyone else. And it's interesting seeing how quickly the situation devolves itself. How the MCU quickly falls apart with zombies. Since we see them all together ready to fight the zombies, only for Janet or Hank to apparently infect Captain America and everything quickly falls apart. Something I also really liked was the team that came together because of the zombie invasion. It was a mixture of characters you'd normally think would never interact with one another, since you have Bruce, not as the Hulk, Hope, Peter, Bucky, Okoye, Sharon, Happy, Kurt from Ant-Man, as well as the Cloak of Levitation, aka the cool cape that Doctor Strange wears, and that in last week's episode I forgot to mention was destroyed, which was unfortunate. I really like the variety featured for this team, since you don't normally see a lot of these people together. If anything, maybe just Peter and Bucky in that one time in which Peter was amazed by Bucky's arm. There were a lot of other things I liked about the episode, and in some ways you can see this episode as being an inversion on Infinity War, since it still has some plot beats, but changes them up a bit. And by that I mean essentially Vision and Wanda. And this episode essentially answers the question, what if Wanda died and not Vision? 
So after a couple of weeks ago when Loki showed up, essentially serving as a bonus Loki, this episode could serve as a bonus WandaVision. Essentially answering the question, what if Wanda had died and not Vision? And strangely, this was actually in the comics. Sort of. I admit I don't recall much of the comic, but I am aware that at one point, one of the characters keeps someone alive and not zombified as food. As in they're still alive, but they're slowly taking pieces off so they can feed them to the zombie. Essentially to keep them alive so they can find a way to cure them. Now of course they changed things up for the episode, especially with the reveal being that Vision is the one being crazy, and I was shocked to hear Chadwick Boseman one more time, this time as a broken T'Challa who somehow makes it out alive. And I really do like the callback they made to Civil War, even though it is again bittersweet considering one of these episodes will definitely be Boseman's final performance as T'Challa. And then of course the ending, which I think was the most unfortunate cliffhanger I've ever seen. I'll just say it out loud. Zombie Thanos. Now the unfortunate thing about the episode is the runtime. Now we've seen the past few episodes work within those short run times, but zombies really didn't. It just felt way too rushed, trying to get to the point. Within the first five minutes, we're told, oh this happened, this happened, and this happened, and now they're all together on these trains. And then immediately, we need to go to the train station to get out of New York. It's a bit frustrating since we're starting to see these characters interact with one another, but then, no, we need to go, 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 because, oh no, zombies. And I think the people who get screwed over the most because of this rushed pacing are Happy, Sharon, and Kurt. Here's the thing, I like these characters, especially Happy, but unless you've seen these films over and over again, you're probably not going to remember them, and this episode really doesn't care to tell you who these people are, especially Kurt. At first, I didn't even remember he was from Ant-Man. I thought, what, was it Nightcrawler, the lizard? No, it's just Kurt from Ant-Man. It's even more unfortunate that he was even played by the same guy who appeared in those films. Speaking of voice actors, the majority of the characters are played by their original MCU actors, with the major exception of Spider-Man. Now, of course, it's understandable that maybe Tom Holland was either unavailable or too busy working on several other films. And Hudson Thames, who plays Peter in this episode, does a decent impersonation of Tom Holland, though he does stick out when everyone else is played by their original film counterparts. You have this bizarre mixture where you have all of the stars of the MCU and then the guy who's not. But going back to the pacing, the episode was just so rushed. It was really hard to enjoy the episode when the action won't stop, and then, once we think, oh, it's all over, nope, we need to kill off another character, and then we kill off another character, and another character. I really want to see what happens next in this story, since now we have only three Avengers, or what's left of them, fighting a zombie Thanos. And now with the idea that he has the Infinity Gauntlet, what is he going to do with it? Is he still going to snap half the universe away? Is he going to turn everyone to zombies? Or is he going to try and bring them all back to life? Who knows? I really want to see what happens next. And yes, I'm aware of things that happen in the Marvel Zombie storyline. I will just say, those were really stupid. Overall, what if zombies is... Okay. Well, the episode does have a few positives, such as seeing Spider-Man interact with the rest of the MCU, as opposed to just Tony, Happy, or Nick. It's not enough, and the episode either needed to be longer, or at the very least, not have such terrible pacing. The past few episodes did a great job with pacing, and at no point did any of them feel rushed or short. 
This one on the other hand just felt extremely rushed as it tried to get from point A to point B, not caring if the audience was paying attention. Marble Studios What If Streams on Disney Plus For those of you on Spotify, we're about to enter our next segment. For those of you not on Spotify, you will still get the segment, but without the song review. To be more specific, if you're listening to this recording, you are listening to the version of the episode without the music. The only major differences are the lack of music as well as the following segment being slightly trimmed as half of the segment talks about the GoldenEye song by Tina Turner. For those of you who are interested in that segment, you can listen to it only on Spotify. With all of that said, here's my review of the 1995 film GoldenEye starring Pierce Brosnan. GoldenEye had a very tricky objective when it came to theaters. The last time a Bond film had come out, it was 1989. So the idea to make a new Bond film set after the end of the Cold War was a mystery since the biggest enemy that Bond could face in these films, outside of cartoon villains, was gone. The film even acknowledged this at one point, with M, now played by Dame Judi Dench, calling Bond a dinosaur and a relic of the Cold War. Now considering this was the first film in 6 years, GoldenEye does a great job of establishing a brand new Bond for a brand new decade. It was a good example how you can have a story about a secret agent, but put him in a new setting and location. Something which the Daniel Craig 007 films took a bit further, by rebooting the franchise. But going back to GoldenEye, there are just a lot of things I like about the film. It's well paced, the action is great, and it tries something different, even with its music. A good example comes in the opening of the film, which instead of starting with a traditional James Bond theme song, instead plays something that sounded like a cat walked over the piano, and it just went with it. The acting is also great from everyone involved. This was a rough transition from the old Bond of the 80s to the 90s, since everyone was recast except for Q. For the most part, everyone is great in this film, including Bross and S007. There's just something about Brosnan in this film that works, since you might think, oh, he looks like the bad guy, but no. He's clearly on a mission and will do anything he can to fulfill it, using his charm, his attitude, and his dry wit of humor. Now, there are a few flaws with the film, such as Alan Cumming, who was just annoying. But he's thankfully not in the film that much to be a distraction, at least until the third act. Others might find the final fight between Brosnan and Sean Bean's 006 a bit ridiculous, especially by how 006 apparently survived his death. At least temporarily. But despite all of that, and some corny music at the end credits, GoldenEye is a great film. It's in my top 5 of favorite Bond films, right alongside Skyfall, The Spy Who Loved Me, Thunderball, and Tomorrow Never Dies. As for the N64 game, well, there's not much else to say. It's an awesome game, and if you can find the original cartridge in N64, check it out. GoldenEye is available to own on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital. Now it's time to look at another piece of fan fiction, but this time it's one that has absolutely nothing to do with Garfield the Cat. It's a story written by the same guy who wrote Royal Rescue, the La La Land crossover, but Garfield is nowhere to be seen in this story. Instead, it's all about the 90s, early 2000s sitcom, Frasier. 
Frasier is a spin-off of the long-running sitcom Cheers, but if anything, the only thing it has in common are the character of Dr. Frasier Crane, who in both shows was played by Kelsey Grammer. In the show, Frasier is a doctor who hosts a radio show where he just talks to people about their problems, to mostly wacky results. He also has to deal with his brother Niles, who is in the midst of dealing with the end of his marriage, as well as his father, Martin. I do find it weird that the same guy who wrote these stories about Garfield being the most masculine, attractive man would suddenly write a story about Frasier. There's a huge disconnect between Frasier and Garfield. Now with this particular story, it does seem reminiscent of the Garfield stories. The fanfic is titled, Frasier Blood Brothers. The synopsis reads, Blood Brothers are brothers forever. Which frankly makes as much sense as saying Rangers Together Samurai Forever. Now since the synopsis doesn't make any sense, I should really set up the story before I go to the snippet. Apparently in this story, Dr. Niles Crane, Fraser's brother, goes crazy and apparently he's a bad guy now. So with all of that out of the way, here's the snippet from the story. Meanwhile, in Dr. Fraser Crane's apartment, Martin Crane was walking with the cane and the Eddie getting ready to watch the sports. I cannot wait until the sports starts, said Martin Crane with anticipation, responded Eddie in agreement. As Martin Crane was approaching his special chair, assassins attacked. What? shouted Martin Crane with surprise. Die, you old one! yelled the assassins who threw ninja stars at him. I think not! I am old man, but you are ones going to an early grave! declared Martin Crane with defiance. Martin Crane lifted his cane and spat around like Hurricane Tornado, deflecting ninja stars like a senior citizen samurai. Time to taste the cane of Crane! said Martin Crane as he rushed into battle wielding cane with fury. Martin Kane thrashed assassins with his cane like moving train full of speed and power. He smashed their bones and knocked them to their dooms. You weaklings do not even break my sweat, said Martin Crane with dismissive words. Haha, oh, I see my minions are no matchmaker for you. I will have to be taking care of you myself, said a voice from the shadows. From shadows walked out Dr. Niles Crane, full of calm evil. Niles? said Martin Crane in shock. Yes, my dear father, I am using power of psychiatry to rule this world. Now that Fraser is gone, you are the only one standing in my way, said Dr. Niles Crane with power hunger. Fraser? No! cried out Martin Crane with despair. Do not be worrying, for you will soon be having family reunion in hell, said Dr. Niles Crane as he prepared for battles. It is up to me to put an end to your evil. Prepare to face my true powers, declared Martin Crane as he prepared his powers. With these words, Martin Crane tapped into his inner power and charged his cane with mystic flames, setting it on fire. Time to BBQ! said Martin Crane as he charged Dr. Niles Crane for combat. Martin Crane and Dr. Niles Crane exchanged blows like a vortex of fists and kicks. Niles launched with rapid fists, but Martin Crane blocked with his fiery cane. 
Dr. Niles Crane then jumped back and did the cobra dance. Time to end this, said Martin Crane, readying Flaming Kane with justice. You will end this in the afterlife, said Dr. Niles Crane as he did kung fu chop with razor speed slicing through Martin Crane's cane and going through his heart. <laughs> said Martin Crane as he fell to the ground in blood. I am Lord of Seattle. No man is mighty enough for my fist, declared Dr. Niles Crane in evil victory. As you can probably tell in this story, Niall acts a bit out of character. Now while the character was seen as somewhat of a loser, he at least had his good moments. He wasn't like Alan Harper on Two and a Half Men where essentially everything bad happens to him. In some bizarre way, Shakespeare Hemingway tries to present Frasier, but almost as if it were an anime. And in some way you could probably make that work, but not in the way the story presents it, where essentially, if you're a psychiatrist, you have superpowers. It just feels like someone's wacky anime story, and they just slapped on the Frasier characters. Outside of the opening lines, which refer to the cold open scene on Frasier, you could probably just drag and drop the names out of these stories and switch them out with, say, the characters from Friends, Veronica's Closet, or even Superstore. I will admit there are a lot of bizarre moments in this story, and some of them that made me laugh out loud, especially while trying to read the story. As Martin Crane was approaching a special chair, Assassin's Attack. <laughs> what? Martin Crane lifted his cane and spat it around like Hurricane Tornado, deflecting ninja stars like a senior citizen samurai. Not a Fraser is gone, you are <laughs> If you've seen Fraser, you might find this a bit funny, because it's weird seeing the characters from Fraser essentially fighting as if they were in Dragon Ball Z. All I will say is that this is a fun fanfic to read. Especially just seeing how Niles and Frasier act like crazy Dragon Ball Z-esque characters. Frasier Blood Brothers by Shakespeare Hemingway is available to read on fanfiction.net. Next week on the Pop Culture Shuffle, we'll have another review of Marvel Studios' What If? As well as a brief discussion about a terrible sitcom that aired in the late 90s. Here's a hint. It's from the same guy who created Two and a Half Men and the Big Bang Theory. That is all the time we have for today's show. If you would like to know when the next episode comes out, remember to follow or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite stream provider. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at MrJoelGarcia9. Until next time, thank you for listening and go Chargers! <laughs>